Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Beat. After a weekend which saw Arsenal's main top four rivals drop points, Mikel Arteta's side are back in action themselves on Saturday with the visit of Brentford. I'm Mark Manbrines from PA Media and to look ahead to that game and discuss what we'd like to see in any forthcoming Emirates Stadium upgrades, I'm joined by Sam Dean of The Telegraph and the Athletics Art de Rocher. After our compilation episode, we also usher in the next era of Gestaguna to end today's show. Guys, we'll come on to discuss Brentford a little later, but Sam, in The Telegraph today, which Thursday, uh, you wrote about plans that are afoot to give the Emirates Stadium some much-needed TLC. Could you just run through that situation? Uh, yeah, so the, the, the specifics, I think, are still yet to be nailed down in most cases. That's what I'm told, but I think they've basically earmarked millions. We're talking millions here in, in terms of investments and renovations for the stadium. You said there that they're much needed, and I think anyone who's been to the Emirates in the last couple of years would, would agree with that. Um, a couple of things that will probably interest fans the most, there's definitely some talks and discussions and they're looking at um, how to renovate the big screens and potentially how many big screens they will have. Um, I think somebody said the other day that one of them wasn't working for a game. I didn't see that yeah. myself. Yeah, I, I remember it it shut out for, for a while during a game. Yeah, so that's obviously not ideal. Um, and obviously all this comes in the context of Tottenham Stadium being absolutely superb. Um, sparkling, gleaming, high-tech, enormous screens, anything anything, and everything you could possibly want from a, a new stadium, really. Um, so you can see why Arsenal would like to tie theirs up, especially when it compares to other new arenas. Um, and I made the point, in, in I did a little thing at the end of the piece on the Telegraph, just sort of tiny bit of mini-analysis. And I made the point that Man United have had a lot of criticism in the last... I don't know, decade, I suppose, maybe a bit longer or maybe last five, five or six years more specifically um, about the state of Old Trafford um, with various issues there. And essentially the accusation made against United was that they weren't showing the care that fans, pundits, former players thought that Old Trafford deserved. I don't think uh, the Emirates is anywhere near that kind of uh, level in terms of criticism and issues, but clearly that is not a situation that Arsenal would like to get into. Uh, so yeah, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to redo quite a lot of it. I think there's some talk as well. Vinay Vekatesham, he was on the fan forum on Tuesday night. I think he spoke to them a bit about changing some of the banners and crests outside the ground too and basically giving the whole place a facelift. So, yeah, uh, should be good. I think the plan is, you know, basically get, get that going as soon as possible and over the summer, clearly when there are no games, is the time to really kick on with it. So I think that should be seen as, as good news by... Um, all Arsenal fans and anyone who goes to the Emirates on a regular basis like us. 16 years is a long time in, in the history of a stadium almost, isn't it? Like you say, there's just down the road the example of one that can pop up and, and you know, in a few years' time, there'll be one that supersedes what we see at Spurs. It's just that changing and progression that we see, isn't it? But you're right. I think, you know, we, we covered games there during the pandemic when it was behind closed doors and we some of us sat in what would be fan seating on a normal occasion. And those, those games when, you know, the weather is adverse weather, you're getting wet, you know, there's water dripping on your laptop. And for a fan experience, you're actually paying to be in that stadium. That's the last thing you want to see, isn't it? So it is it is much needed. But I also think the club need almost applauding for it, to be fair. It might be too late, but as long as they do it correctly, they, they're acknowledging what fans are asking for, given we always hear how expensive... Arsenal season tickets are, you know, the fans seem to be being heard in that regard. But oh, it's also 
good it's a good investment and a good plan from the club given how much money they've also been spending on the pitch of play as well isn't it it's commitment i suppose on and off the pitch now we're starting to see aren't we yeah i think the i guess the joined up thinking <laughs> that was uh talked about uh i guess at the start of Mikel Arteta's time i guess it would have taken a while for to see that um but now it's been what just over two years um since he's come in and i think you are after especially the the um the whirlwind that happened after they won the FA Cup with all the staff changes and everything that happened there i guess you are starting to see a bit more of that joined up thinking as you say both in how they're recruiting on pitch and then also uh, more behind the scenes matters. I know uh, Sam mentioned the thing about the crests, and I think we've already seen a little glimpse into that with um, the so the Arsenal sign at London Colney, um, uh, where players usually um, take pictures of their like sign-in announcements or new contract announcements. That's already got the crests, um, the old Arsenal crests on it. Um, I think a few people have noticed that, but. Um, yeah, I do think that, especially being head of the issue, rather than waiting for it to deteriorate to a point where you're actually getting properly criticised for it, um, it's probably a smart move from from Arsenal as well. Just just one thing I would say as well um, is that, given the financial situation of the club, and we know that in a couple of weeks' time the results are going to come out, the latest financial results, and they are not going to be pretty at all. Given the financial situation of the club, the investment that they made in the squad last summer and that they are planning to do again this summer, I think it would have been very easy to say, look, look, look we've got enough on our plate financially to, to do this. Let's park the stadium stuff um, for now. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say that credit should go to the club and the executives on the business side of things for addressing this issue. Um before, yeah, as Art says, before it comes uh, too big a deal and, and despite the other financial challenges facing Arsenal as a whole. But yeah, as I say, we don't know how much it is going to cost. I mean, we know it's in the millions, but there's, there's a big difference between a huge investment on this stuff in the millions and, and a more minor. You know, is it a, is it a uh, fringe player size investment or a first team player size investment? <laughs> we don't really know at this point. Alvarez or a uh, no Odegaard, for example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Another interesting one. Oh, it's interesting for me at least. Um, obviously, we've got this safe, safe standing going on at the moment, and Arsenal opted out of that to begin with. You wonder if that would be something they consider if if they're going to do up a stadium now. Do you know, do you, do you try it now and do it at the same time, or is it something you then look at further down the line? It will be interesting to see the propositions that go ahead and and what the Emirates looks like. Arguably, maybe in the start of next season, and will there be Champions League football? We'll come on to that later on. Um, Art as the resident Arsenal fan amongst the three of us here, what would you like to see in terms of, you know, we're losing the legends rap, you know, do we get some screens in with some, like we see when you walk to the London stadium, do you, do, what new banners would you like? What statues do you want? I've already here might be on NA one. So that's done, <laughs> that's done and dusted. I've commissioned it. I'm actually going to make it myself. So that would be interesting. Um, paper mash it. Yeah. Very, <laughs> uh, very much a big art attack. Oh, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> So yeah, what 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 would you like to see as an Arsenal fan? Is it all about the the legacy and, and the history as well as the the current current crop of players? 
Yeah, I think when you you mentioned statues, the the one that sticks out in my mind, and I don't think it's just because I'm from South London, is um is Ian Wright. Like it's actually crazy to consider he hasn't had one built already at the Emirates. Um, I know they have him heavily involved in all their kind of um, their campaigns and um, their Adidas stuff as well. Um, but I, I think he's been due, uh, he's been due at least a statue for for years now, um, and I don't know what's taken them so long to do it. And um, his presence, I guess, I think he's probably got a bigger presence than maybe. I don't want it to seem too over the top, but I feel like his presence is a lot bigger than a lot of players of his generation and generations that have come after him. Um, like I'm 23 years old and he's like someone who I view as like just amazing. And I know there's probably people who are like 10, 15 years younger than me who, who feel the same. And then the other way around people who are um, like closer to his age as well, will probably still feel the same. So um that's probably the 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 thing that's in my mind that sticks out at the minute um and probably one that i can't really look past at the minute <laughs> if you ask if if you were if you if you were commissioning a ian wright statue what would be the first ian wright image you know we've got the tony adams yeah that sums, sums it all up haven't we we've got that one would there be a specific right you want you think it's difficult there are a lot um it would probably be his uh the record breaking celebration i reckon that would probably be the most popular um yeah it would probably have to be that um and yeah i'll go with that one i was just thinking of the time him and neil ruddick did the uh paul alcock referee push but i don't think we'll get that question um i also think it's it's worth a mention, isn't it, despite what happened towards the end, that we've only got a bust of Arsene Wenger tucked away in an executive room at the Emirates Stadium as you walk in. Sam, is that one, do, does he deserve more recognition? He almost, other than actually laying the bricks and mortar, that is Arsene Wenger Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, I think obviously, I think that, that's the one that, um, while I very much appreciate and understand Art's point of view, I think most fans would probably say Wenger. If anyone's going to be honoured in bronze, it would be... Uh, it should be Wenger, uh, for obvious reasons. And can I just say that if I was going to put a statue of, of Ian Wright, I, can I can I pitch for him and Saka at the Brit Awards? Both, <laughs> they, they both look great. And Ian Wright had a really cool hat on, if I remember. Um, I think that would be quite a cool uh, <laughs> way of entering the stadium. Like those two, like, as you know, all glammed up. That that would be cool. Um, also, based on the my fact you yes, the, the fact you said it was a cool hat is completely uncalled the whole look. <laughs> by the way, so uh... <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> totally ruined it for him. Um, uh, also, on the evidence of my Twitter feed yesterday, I think most Arsenal fans would want some sort of monument to the time they beat Barcelona once in the first leg of a, a knockout tie, <laughs> and then and then obviously went on to lose the tie overall. But that never seems to get mentioned when it comes to this time of year. Yeah, 11 years, 11 years since since this great victory that led to nothing. Um, <laughs> but that's very, uh, that's very Scrooge-like of me. And I apologise to those who do describe it as the greatest night at the Emirates because I wasn't there, so I don't know. But it does make me laugh that that game is so revered when it's a tie they ultimately lost. 
They clearly weren't there for Ludigarets at home either, were they? Um, <laughs> well, Jack Wilshire is not up to much at the moment. We could just hang around outside the stadium. We wouldn't actually need to build a statue there, would we? <laughs> In terms of moving moving the stadium forward, Art, we talked about the, the statues that aren't there. The ones that are there, that just shows that when when a club gets it right, they really they really do like hit that chord with the supporters, don't they? You look at you know we've got Burkamp, Henri, Ken Fryer, I think Herbert Chapman's in there as well, and Ian. we've already mentioned Tony Adams. They definitely know how to hit the right chord with supporters, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I think so. They came in twenty eleven. Um, I think that was the. 125th year anniversary of the club and then Burkamps actually came uh, a few years after um and I think remembering back to the time um it was just quite um like everyone was going to take their picture with <laughs> with the statues I think there's still probably people who do uh mostly with the Henri one um but um yeah I think when when you get it right and you've seen especially since Arsenal have gone back with Adidas, they they have got it right probably eight, nine times out of 10. Um, I think they're probably one of the clubs in the Premier League that understands not just the history of um, what fans want to see, but also the, just the culture as well. Um, it does feel quite uh, different to other clubs, I feel, in terms of just being that link being there. And even though there may be discrepancies with like on pitch matters, what, what the owners are doing, I feel like that, that connection has always been there in terms of um, iconography. Um, And yeah, I think playing into that, obviously there is probably a sense of, um, I guess, appeasing fans a little bit, but um, I I don't really necessarily, I don't think there's anything wrong with that when it comes to, say, statues and and um, that sort of iconography. Obviously, it can be a bit over the top when it comes to uh, thirty training kits and retro <laughs> retro lines being uh, released throughout the season. But um, when it comes to this sort of stuff, I think it's all right. There's a man who owns yeah. every single one of them. <laughs> He's wearing it all now. He's wearing an Arsenal. <laughs> is that an Arsenal dressing gown? JV, <laughs> J- JVC. Sorry, Sam, we, we jumped in early there, mate. Uh, no, I was just going to say, just this is slightly on a tangent, so apologies, but I do think it's interesting the way that Arsenal um, have sort of marketed themselves and, and the image they've tried to portray in the last couple of years, which is very London-centric and, you know, we are proper London. And I think of the London clubs, only, only Crystal Palace take a similar approach, as far as I'm aware, as far as I can see. Um, Palace really push the South London and proud um, element of it and they even sort of seem to be making signings on that basis which is which is great and I think that's that that probably really strengthens their hold in that in that part of the city but I get when I look at all the Arsenal marketing and, and the way they sell stuff and the way they promote stuff and the way they do things off the pitch it's very as Art says like it's London it, it's cool it's young it's it's edgy it's street whereas I look at um, Chelsea Spurs and West Ham I don't really see the same approach um, I don't know why that is I probably need to talk to some sort of sports sports marketing expert but um, it does seem to me to be something that Arsenal have really pushed in the last few years especially since the Adidas deal came in and something that seems to be working quite well because whenever you go to the Emirates everyone wears the new kits you'll see it all the time I don't see it to the same extent at other matches and other stadiums I go to 
it's worth pointing out, mate. Everyone plays London Calling, don't they? <laughs> yes, that is annoying, isn't it? Yeah. A song about that a nuclear war. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate we go to more games than, uh, you know, non-journalists, because that's our jobs to do sometimes four games a week. But there's only so many times you can hear London Calling, and I now really hate that song. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just really annoying. <laughs> Right, we'll end that bit by saying do get across to at the Arsenal Beat on Twitter. We will run a poll for what statues you'd like to see at the Emirates and things like that. And obviously we can pass it on to Vinay and Edu and I'm sure they'll get it sorted. Right, guys, back to matters on the pitch. It is... Brentford this weekend. The Emirates is currently in its current guise. We'll welcome Thomas Frank's side. 3pm kickoff, which I'm sure will please the purists. West Ham playing the early kickoff, but everyone else in that top four race is in action after Arsenal. It's four points, but just three games fewer than current occupiers of fourth place Manchester United. Thierry Henry said not achieving a fourth place finish would be a failure for Arsenal. Do we agree with that, Art? Especially given where they are at the moment? Yeah, I think it, it. I know on Twitter he got quite a bit of stick for saying that, but I don't necessarily feel that stick was deserved because I guess when going into the season, I wouldn't have expected Arsenal to be where they are now. Um, They are in a very strong position when it comes to that race. And I feel like my my expectation is probably that they will finish fifth, but I would be very disappointed as an Arsenal fan if... um, they messed up a chance at, at, at finishing fourth because the door is open for them. And I feel out of the teams um, that are chasing that spot, um, I think they not, it's not just looking at their running, but also just the balance feels a bit better than with other teams. I know Manchester United can pull out results, but they don't play particularly good football. <laughs> um, and I feel like, with with Henri's like a statement, probably failure may have been too harsh a word, but I definitely understand where he's coming from because this is probably the best chance Arsenal have at finishing fourth in probably five years um, since they got dumped out of the Champions League by Bayern <laughs> in in twenty seventeen. Um, so yeah, I I wouldn't say failure, but definitely it is a massive chance, and and I think that there would be probably a bitter disappointment from the fan base, even though that probably wouldn't be shared by the club itself, because I feel like going into the season, they probably would have been looking at the Europa League as a more realistic um, finish anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the stick that Henri got was necessarily fair, if, I, if I'm honest. They'll be pulling down his statue before we know it. Um, <laughs> I think it's as, as close as you can get to it, Arteta, you know, in his in his slippers and arguably his dressing gown with a, you know, <laughs> a glass of wine or something over the weekend, having a relaxing weekend, would have been watching those results come in with glee, wouldn't he, Sam? Do you think also we saw those celebrations post-war showed just now what winning, just winning a game at the moment means in that in that top four race? Yeah, I mean, it does feel as if, if Arsenal could just not play any more games, it might, <laughs> it might really help them because by not playing in the last sort of, well, not playing very very often in this calendar year. That situation's been strengthened quite a lot. Um, obviously, I think the tendency uh, for any club with any fan base is to look at games in hand and assume that you'll win them. Um, 
which obviously is a pretty dangerous thing to do with, with any team, and let alone one like Arsenal, which is quite unpredictable. But um, I agree with Art that, that the door is open. It's it's almost theirs for the taking now. Um, and obviously we know we, we know and we've discussed the, the things that might stop that. Uh, squad depth, lack of striking options, potential injuries. Um, but you have to look at it and say, if you were to line line up all the clubs going for that fourth place and, and all the possible reasons why they would or wouldn't get it, I think most people, the logical perspective would would put Arsenal probably at the top of that in terms of your favourites for it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's in their hands. Uh, and, and as you say, the celebrations against Wolves were indicative of, of how big every game is now. And obviously that the, the response to that and the, the Ruben Neves comments have led to a sort of whole celebration police issue but um, that was a big win for Arsenal away from home 1-0 haven't played for a while been away in Dubai and, and they came back dealt, dealt with having 10 men for a long time and a perceived injustice of that it was if you're not going to celebrate that kind of away win then, then what, what are you going to celebrate? True. Brentford have struggled of late Mika Richards called them overrated Sam you've seen more bees action than a lavender bush over the past couple of years Um <laughs> Just how good are they? But also, also, what's gone wrong, if anything, in, in recent weeks? Uh, yeah, so results in the last few weeks have not been good. Uh, but what I would say is that the performances have, have not been as bad as those scorelines would suggest. Um, they've actually played quite well, generally, this season. And they've had quite a few games, for example, at home to Man United and at home to Chelsea, when they were quite dominant for quite a long part of those games and had their chances and just simply failed to take them and then got punished uh, later on in the game. So... Um, yes, on paper, uh, looks like an easy game for Arsenal, but I really don't think it will be at all. Um, in terms of what's gone wrong, they've had quite a few injury issues this season, um, long-term ones for some key players. And David Rye's back now. He's very important. Christopher Ayer, again, he's now back again. And he's been missing for quite a long time. Uh, Ivan Tony is obviously a big fitness start for the weekend, and that's one that will make a big difference to, to how they play and, and how they damage Arsenal because we saw the impact that Tony could have on the opening game of the season, of course, when he caused all sorts of troubles for Ben White and Pablo Murray. And actually, just on that, um, I know Ben White got a lot, of, a lot of stick for that performance on the opening day of the season, but in my memory, and, and I was there watching the game, Pablo Murray had a far worse time than, than White mm. trying to deal with Tony. So having Gabriel back for Arsenal would certainly help him in that cause. And that's assuming that Tony is fit because he's obviously fighting uh well he's in a race a race to be fit we don't know yet whether he will be um so yeah i mean they're, they're, they're a good team they're a better team than their results suggest and they will definitely cause problems for arsenal and there are quite a few i don't know if you want me to go into this but there are quite a few sort of interesting angles to this one being christian erickson potentially making his premier league debut before I was to, yeah i was about to segue into that when you're talking about potential fitness obviously sam you were at his I suppose, do we still call them unveiling press conferences? We, we'd all know he'd signed from a while ago. There was much guffaw thing amongst the uh, journalists in attendance, but um, he had the meeting out of his hand at one point, didn't he? But do we expect he'll be involved this weekend? Could he be on the bench, do you think? Or is it still a bit too early? Uh, I definitely don't think he'd start. Um, he played for an hour or so, I believe, in a behind-closed-doors friendly against Southend earlier this week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the bench, but it depends a bit how he came through that and how, you know, how he performed. I know he got an assist, which is obviously something, but it's a different level playing there than it is to playing um, Premier League match. But yeah, yeah, on the on the guffawing at press conferences, it's quite a common thing um, from us journalists that when 
when a manager or a player, whoever makes even a, the slightest of half jokes, um, we all laugh excessively. And we get, I think it's when the clips go viral on Twitter, journalists as a whole get stick for that. But there's a quite simple reason it's because we want to put the, the person at ease. We want them to feel comfortable and to feel like they've you know, got the room eating at the palm of their hand because that might make them more open and expressive and give better answers. So there's a, there's no, no rocket science or, or secret mystery to that. Uh, the one thing I would say, alongside Ericsson, um, a player to potentially keep an eye on is Josh De Silva. Uh, Art's given double thumbs up. Um, <laughs> now, De Silva, obviously a uh, former Arsenal player, uh, academy graduate, played a couple of games in the League Cup under Wenger before turning down a contract and saying, no, I'd rather play every week for Brentford. And he has been pretty much ever since he, he got into their first team a few years ago. Superb for them. He was one of the best players in the championship, playing a sort of this creative midfield role. Um, and he's been injured for a long, long time with a hip problem, months and months and months. And it was really worrying for Brentford. They weren't entirely sure what was going on with it and why he was in so much pain and why why it was happening. But in the last few weeks, he's finally made his comeback. And he we mentioned the friendly that they had against Southend behind closed doors. The Silver scored a hat-trick in that, and he's come off the bench in the last three games for Brentford and played about half an hour in each of them. So he could potentially start, and obviously that would be um, an emotional and quite special moment for him to do it at the club where he started his career. And basically, he's a really good player. He, he causes problems in the final third. He beats people one-to-one, -one, he creates chances, he shoots from range, scores goals, and he's just, uh, he's just a really good player who makes their team better. So that's one to keep an eye on, perhaps more so than Ericsson. It would be nice if, if Ericsson appears. It would probably be the best. You'd like to think the best reception a former Tottenham player's ever had at the Emirates, wouldn't it? I can't see there being too too many people. Sol Campbell got, would have got a decent one. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Very good. Also, good job I didn't do Justice Silver for this week's guest, Aguna, which teases up nicely. Uh, yeah, so this is our guest, Aguna quiz. I will read out clues and hints about a former or current Arsenal player. And the guys have to shout in and give their answers to see if they can guess the Guna. They will get 10 points if they get it right with their first guess, nine for their second, and so on. Arts had a decent run towards the end of 2021. So let's see if he can carry it on here as we play Guess the Guna. I have more international caps than I do Premier League appearances. Buzz. Felipe Ross. Incorrect. Oh my God, wow. I replaced Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to make my senior Arsenal debut off the bench. I have won an Olympic silver medal. Oh, while that medal was in men's football, had I chosen differently in my youth, I could have been a sprinter and not a footballer. Buzz. Sam Dean. Uh, Justin Hoyt's brother. Is it Gavin Hoyt? <laughs> no, just because their mum could run doesn't mean that he could. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Although, good prior knowledge there, good remembering. I played under two different managers during my four-year stint in English football. So that's not at Arsenal. Can you repeat that? 
I played under two managers during my four-year stint in English football. Awesome, oh, thanks. Oh, 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 you've got to just to beat you to it. Uh, Asano. Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> Arsene Wenger said of me, he's creative, he can score goals, right-footed, left-footed, good power, good penetration, very, very clever with the timing of his runs. Um, Buzz, although I think I'm wrong. Go. Get Gideon Zellerlen. Incorrect. I thought that was bad. When you said creative, I thought that's it. Done. Meanwhile, after a chance meeting, Rio Ferdinand said of me, what he's done to go and turn his career around the way he has, has been phenomenal. He deserves enormous credit for that because some players would fold under that disappointment of not Buzz. playing somewhere. Sam Dean. Serge Gnabry. Yeah! Oh, I heard him in my head as well. <laughs> there oh, we woo. go. <laughs> I am fuming. So that this was the point where I was then like, right, if they don't get it, I'm going to have to put some easy ones in. So we had <laughs> that disappointment of not playing came during a loan spell where I made just one league appearance. I've scored 20 goals in 31 international caps. I've won the Champions League. I've won three Bundesliga titles. I was going to include a Tony Pulis quote, but, you know, we'd have all got it straight away. That ludicrous quote about not being good enough to play at the Hawthorns or whatever. Maybe they they should have a bloody Serge Nabry statue at the Hawthorns, eh? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that my first win on this? It might very well be, yeah. Nine points, stellar nine points as well. No, it might be eight, actually, because you went for Zellerlim as well, didn't you? I had quite a few that were completely wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> You got there in the end with probably, let's be honest, our star man of the Guest Laguna quiz so far. Yeah, I'm fuming. I, I'm i in the back of my head and then it's the, the Olympics that um, messed me up. You won so a silver like, with Germany in 2016. I was trying to think of like Mexican players, Brazilian players and like other, I can't remember what other countries play in the Olympics. The, but... the ones that take it seriously, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not Craig Dawson. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. We'll be back next week, obviously, to look back at what happened in that Burnley game. And we've actually got other fixtures to look forward to now, guys. How does it feel knowing that our job is going to become full-time again? It's quite an interesting (laughs) one, isn't it? But we've had quite a a barren run in February, but we've got Brentford on Saturday and then that return game against Wolves. And we all know if Wolves win, they'll be celebrating like mad at the Emirates next Thursday. So, yes, do join us on Tuesday where we will look back at Brentford and look ahead to that second game against Wolves. Thank you for joining me, guys, and goodbye.